season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. back to the JKR podcast. Today we have California native and 2024 commit to Arkansas baseball. We got Wade Mounts on the podcast. Wade, super pumped to get you on the show, man. I believe you're my first Californian on the JKR podcast. So super excited to have you. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? It's been good uh, finally getting on here. I know we've kind of tried to uh, do this for a while, but yeah, it's good to be on here. Awesome, man. Glad to have you. I, yeah, like you said, it's been a little bit. Um, schedule's been packed, especially with the the Arkansas Stick series I had going on, where I had about yeah. two two and a half months of nothing but their their content, their guys. Uh, but no, before we kind of get digging into the baseball side of things, there is one question I do like to ask everybody to get on the podcast, and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Wade Mounts? Yeah. Um. So on the mound, number one, I always like to think of myself as a competitor someone that's really going to, like, um, compete with someone. Um, I never try to really back down from my competition, but also like to be a, a very humbled and uh, good teammate. I think that's, like, one of the biggest things you can be because no one really wants to play with someone that's, like, super cocky and stuff like that. So I try to I try to keep, uh, keep that to a minimum when I'm on the field. It's always good to have a little bit of that, especially confidence. But uh, I would just describe myself as a confident competitor, um, and just a teammate that just wants to win and help everybody. Okay. So being a confident competitor, how do you range from a, com- a confident competitor to not stepping over the line and being cocky in a way? Cause I know you said people don't like playing with cocky players. Um, so how do you kind of, um, stay in between those lines? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, just what I mean is like bragging. So like if, you, if I've played with, uh, people and, uh, I'm not going to say anybody, but they've, you know, kind of been a little bit braggy and um, I've always wanted to kind of stay stay uh, away from that because I haven't been always, you know, that super, superstar player. And uh, leading up to high school, I kind of uh, got better and, and as I got taller and, and, and bigger and stronger and stuff like that. So I would just say um, just just someone that's humble and not really, you know, has to just leaves it out on the field, doesn't really have to say who they are and stuff like that. Okay. So you are, you say bigger and taller. I believe you're what six seven, right? Yeah, no, I'm uh six seven, almost six eight, or like two hundred and thirty pounds. So yeah, I got I got way bigger this past summer and this past year for sure. Okay. So what was that how did that affect your game? What was it like kind of with that that big old growth spurt? Yeah, so um I've always been tall, but then once high school rolled around, I was like six I was probably like six two, six three. And then during COVID, I got up to like six six, and then now I'm six seven, and that helped me a lot. But it also caused like a few injuries. But I would say like uh, those injuries helped me become who who I am today because I learned a lot about my body that I didn't know and stuff like that. Stuff about eating, stuff about getting stronger in the weight room, um, and just stuff like that. So um, I mean, being tall, taller and stronger definitely helped me a lot. I would I would think. Um, that's like one of the biggest things I could be grateful for is having a place to get stronger and um, get bigger and better. So 
yeah, that that helped a lot. So okay, so going through that process and just going through that growth spurt timeline, um, as before pre COVID, during COVID, after COVID, how did that align with your recruiting process? So kind of let's dig into that a little bit. How you ended up in Fayetteville, ended up at Arkansas as a commit for the twenty twenty four class. Um, when did that recruiting process kind of get started for you? Yeah, so I actually didn't. I was hurt for the entire high school season last year. I've never played on varsity before because in my freshman year, we have, we have to play freshman baseball. So I've never played varsity baseball. Um, so I was just in the weight room from that time. And I, my recruiting process, like talking to school, started my freshman year just because I was like a big kid and stuff like that. And schools kind of want want to just make connections with me and stuff. But I never really had any offers until uh, my first offer was right before the high school season, but I was hurt. And um, and then I didn't have an offer until another offer until the summer. So basically what happened is I didn't go to the south until the second half of the summer. And the first part of the summer, we were just on the west coast side, and me and my team. And we played down in Irvine, and I got three um, power power five offers in the Pac-12. And then I went down and played with another uh, team called Tri-County, and we went to Georgia. And then I pitched really well there. And then that's when a lot of the bigger SEC and power five schools started to offer me. And then I went to Florida, and that's when Arkansas saw me and they offered me. So it really came along, like, really, really quick. Um you know, I always knew I wanted to play in the SEC, and Arkansas was always a top three school of mine. And then once I went and visited, it felt like home, and I felt like um, like that was the place I wanted to be for sure. So going through and talking to all these Power 5 schools, all of them reaching out at different times when you're playing at different events and all these different schools are seeing you at different times, uh, what mm-hmm. were some of those initial conversations like with different schools? And did it kind of vary uh, when it came to talking to non-Power 5 schools compared to Pac-12, and then even how does that compare to the SEC a little bit? So you're saying like how like how the conversation goes compared to the Pac-12 schools, SEC, and then like non-Power 5? Yeah, like was there was there a difference or even kind of just take us through what the general initial conversations were like and maybe some differences you saw? Yeah, so I would say with the non-Power 5 schools, like some of the mid-major schools, it kind of sounds like um, – they're trying to praise you and like tell you how good you are and stuff like that. And then the SEC schools and the power five schools, they come at you at a different way and, and tell you how you're going to benefit and help this, help their, their uh, team win in the future. If you end up going there and you can tell like from the school, like the status they have and stuff, it kind of, it kind of changes the way they talk to you. Like, it's not like they're, it's not like they're having to like persuade you to come to the school because like if you end up don't go not going to that school and I actually had a conversation with another SEC school when I came in and, and they're like, yeah, it's like I'm happy for you. I'm going to continue to follow your career and stuff like that. But it's not like they, they didn't say this, but it's not like they like it's not like um, I don't know how to say this. It's It's not like they're like going to miss out on you because they're going to have other you know opportunities to get yeah. kids like you. So, I mean, they're definitely trying to, like, get you for sure, but it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So, as you were going through that process, obviously you said you wanted to play in the SEC, uh, but what were some other key things you were looking for when you were kind of comparing some of those schools that were offering you and some of those schools that were up there as some of your top schools? 
Yeah. So when I was talking to my recruiting advisor and like one of the guys that helps manage my recruiting process and stuff like that, one of the things they said was just don't even pay attention to the money the schools give you. Um, just just who you have a be- the best fit with the pitching coach and the head coach. And then when you go and visit, when where do you feel at home? So um, those were the things that that made me obviously I want to play in the SEC just because it's you know, the, the best competition you can get get at. And I felt like that was the best place for me. Um, but when uh, I was talking to these schools, some of the things I would ask was location, you know, uh, even stuff about, like, uh, education, stuff like that. Um, obviously, I knew about the winning culture at these schools and stuff. But, yeah, those were just some of the things that went into my decision and stuff like that. Okay. So what was so what were some of those other schools besides Arkansas that potentially finished second, third, or just those handful of schools that you had a legit chance of choosing but decided to choose Arkansas over? Yeah, so uh I I did uh, want to go to Alabama. So they were always in my top 5. Alabama was in my top 5. Um LSU, Texas A&M, Texas and Arkansas was the the five schools that um, I, I wanted to, uh, consider, so. Okay. So what was it at Arkansas that stood out beyond the LSU, yeah. Alabama, those couple other schools? Cause I mean, that, that five, that five, that list of five schools right there is pretty damn good. So what was it at Arkansas yeah. that you just put them just a step ahead of those four others? Yeah. So a big thing with me is, um, I, my pitching coach that I have has always like, since I've been with him since I was eight years old. And then once I started to, you know, really develop as a pitcher, I would say when I was 14, it first started off with like rap Soto and, and tech stuff like that. And then now it's track man and um, the uh, slow motion capture videos and stuff like that to see all my release on different pitches is. And he, my pitching coach has a really good connection with coach Hobbs and the coach Thompson as well at Arkansas. And when I went and visited, I saw, basically where I train at, but like kind of on steroids, like it was like crazy tech stuff. And that's just the way that I I grew up um, training and developing. So that when I saw that, and then I even got to see how it was used when I was there at Arkansas. Um, when I saw that, like I kind of, kind of went through the roof and I was like, this is definitely the place where I feel like I could uh, develop the most and, and um, succeed here. So that, that definitely stood out the most. I know those schools that I mentioned, they do do stuff on the tech side, but Coach Hobbs is probably the best uh, coach when it comes to tech in the country. So that was one of the reasons that, that I, I uh, chose Arkansas. Yeah. Well, I mean, Arkansas, I think it was not even two years ago, put I think it was like $31 million into their baseball training yeah. facility. I mean, so, I mean, that's got to be a shit ton of technology. I mean, uh, it's it's crazy. I remember when I went there this past spring to go watch a couple games. And no, I mean that that facility they have there in Fayetteville is crazy. Um, yeah. But with with you kind of being more of a technology guy growing up there, um, and with your pitching coach using more technology, what benefits do you think that gives to you to your career for guys who don't have access to that technology? Yeah, I mean it, it depends the kind of uh, technology you're using. I I use it as you know kind of a, fee- a feedback uh, feel. So then. When I see those numbers on the screen, I can see, okay, yeah, I can kind of feel the way that the ball came out, uh, which uh, uh, came out to the result of my spin rate or 
uh, stuff like that. So when I see myself on a uh, slow motion capture, I like all that came out like kind of like a cut. Like I kind of felt a cut on that fastball. When I look at the slow motion thing and kind of see that, then I the next pitch I can go in and kind of help um, – not really think about it, but, you know, kind of have that in the back of my mind that, okay, yeah, just try to finish through this ball and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, I think it's always just really cool to have that tech stuff there just to see like what you're doing and, and, and stuff like that. And then my pitching coach, he knows, he knows way more than I do. So he can always tell, um, what I'm doing. And then we always have cameras around, uh, when we're pitching. So, I can see a bunch of different angles and stuff like that. So I think those kind of help me when I can go back and look after every bullpen. And I'll go and I'll look at my pitches and break and the breakthrough on them. And then I'll go and look at the video with those pitches. So I think that's how um, it benefits me personally. So. so with you being out there in California and Arkansas being, man, I'm sure, what is that, five, six states away? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have many relationships with guys in your class or even other classes who are also committed to Arkansas? Because, I mean, for the most part, when I'm looking at the Arkansas commits, I mean, a lot of them are on the Arkansas sticks um, to where uh-huh. they are in that Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma area. Um, so do you have pretty good relationships with some of the guys in your class you'll be playing with in the future? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've definitely hit, like, uh, Texas a few kids that I've uh, been committed with. Last summer I played with uh, a kid, Ross Felder, and I kind of built a little bit of a relationship with him. He's committed to Arkansas in the 24 class, but it's really – the 23 class because in the program I play with for my summer ball team alpha there's two other kids committed to Arkansas in the 23s one of them is Ryder Helferich and then the other one's Gabe Gackle they're both um on alpha they're in the PGL American games this year and they both train at the place I train at so I see Gabe Ryder lives a little bit uh farther uh north of me he lives about an hour away from me Gabe lives about 30 minutes away from where we train at. So I see Gabe every day. Uh, We're always talking um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've definitely uh, built quite a few uh, relationships with kids that are committed to Arkansas. So, yeah. Okay. So when you're talking about relationships, what's your relationship like with that Arkansas coaching staff? So Coach Hobbs and some of the other guys you'll be who will be on on the coaching staff when you get there. Yeah. So Coach Bobby uh, was the first person that I met at, when I went on to the camp at uh, Arkansas back in August and he just was like really like welcoming. He, he was, you could see that he really um, enjoyed like my company and I enjoyed his, he's just like a really upbeat kind of like fun, fun guy to be around. And I won't really be working with him as much when I get to Arkansas, but um, uh, coach Hobbs rolled in about 30 minutes later. And then I was just talking to him and then like, me and Hobbs were just going back and forth talking about like pitching and, and stuff like that. And there was, it w- wasn't really like a dull moment. Like when I was talking, when I was talking with him and um, coach Thompson, he was the guy that really like showed me around before coach Hobbs got there. Cause he was coming back from the area code games, the upper class, I think. And um, yeah, so he showed me around everything that it just felt like, uh, you know, home right when I got there, a lot of people say that home feeling. So, yeah. So with you being a class of 2024, uh, just a couple months ago, September 1st, the recruiting process and I guess the whole relationship building process became a lot easier for you. Um, I know I looked up the actual date you committed, but I kind of, did you commit before September 1st or was it after? Yeah, I committed, I believe it was August 15th. Okay. Yeah. 
So you committed before that September 1st deadline to where um, you it's hard talking to coaches to win after it's pretty easy. Um, so after mm -hmm. that September 1st deadline, um, how much easier was it for you uh, just to just get in contact with those coaches? And at that point, with you already being committed, how often were you talking to some of those guys just because mm -hmm. they already know in the back of their mind that they already have you on your team? Yeah, so um, Coach Hobbs hit me up like like literally the, the like right when I woke up for school that next day. He was like, "Hey, I just want to start off September first. Uh, well, what's going on? How's everything going?" And then I'll text Coach Hobbs um, like about Arkansas's recovery plan. So like, "Hey, Coach, can you send me the like your guy your recovery plan for pitchers and stuff like that, arm care and stuff like that?" And then I'll text him about the football games. Um, I texted him about the Alabama game that he was at and he said it was like crazy, um, super electric and, and the atmosphere and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't text coach like Van Horn at all. I don't text uh, coach Bobby. It's really just me and coach Hobbs uh, texting, but yeah. So it was okay. way easier. So you talk about, you talk about that Arkansas Alabama game. You ready for to, to watch some sec football. I mean, that Arkansas football yeah. state pretty legit when it comes to college game day on Saturday yeah it is uh we just beat Ole Miss last week we we killed them we kind of needed that because we're kind of been in a little bit of a slump recently but um we started off the year really hot and then when I and also when I saw the, the stadium and when I, when I visited in August it was insane like it, it was huge and it's like right in the middle of campus so take take us through that visit you had there in Fayetteville, kind of some of the things that you were going to see, some of the things the coaching staff was showing you, and then did mm -hmm. you uh, get the chance to go on Dixon Street at all? Because I know that's pretty popular up yeah. there. Yeah, so it was a camp that I had to show up to um, just because it – so we didn't do anything against the, the rules of NCAA. So um, basically – me and my parents, we went down to Fayetteville or went up to Fayetteville and just spent the uh, three days up there to get the full experience. And they were doing rush for the sororities and the frats and stuff like that. So I got to see that. That was pretty cool. Um, and then I went over and there was a couple of the kids like transfers from like Juco and, and other schools that transferred from their school to Arkansas. So I got to talk to them a little bit. And then, um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, I'm happy that it was, I didn't just show up for that one day where I met Coach Hobbs. I'm glad I got like the full experience and got to uh, stay a couple couple days and, and see everything. So that, that, I was definitely thankful of that for sure. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned earlier that when you're talking to Coach Hobbs, one of the key points of emphasis you guys like to talk about is arm care. Uh, so let's dig into mm -hmm. just arm care that you go about your recovery process and kind of how that compares to um, coach Hobbs's recovery process for his pitchers. Uh, can I take us mm -hmm. both of those? Yeah. So like I said, um, my place, the place where I train at has a lot of uh, tech stuff and so does Arkansas. Um, mainly I just want to see how it compared and it was pretty similar because like I said, uh, the guy that I, uh, that I train with, he knows Hobbs very well. And a lot of the things that he has questions on with tech, he'll ask Coach Hobbs and he'll tell him. But, yeah, I mean, when I'm talking about the tech stuff, we have Norma Tech. I know Arkansas does that. You just put it over your arm, and it's um, basically just increases blood flow and stuff like that. We have them on our legs, on our arms. We have ones for our hips. Um, 
and then we have obviously the stem machine uh the mark pro and then just a bunch of other like uh other stuff like a kettlebell walks and stuff like that just just regular arm care stuff okay so what does your what does your offseason generally look like when it comes to the deload and then up to back up to the ramp up process getting ready for spring ball yeah so i'm actually in the ramp up process right now but um after i went to jupiter with the 23s um I shut down right after that outing and I was shut down for about a month, month and a half. Uh, yeah, about a month, probably a little bit over a month. And now we're in like a long ramp up thing. So it's eight months. And first we, I started three weeks ago. So the first week you throw three times at like 70% and then four, uh, four times a week at 70% the next week and then four times a week again. And then now I'm all the way into throwing five times a week and then starting to do short boxes and stuff like that. So now I'm finally starting to hop on the mound. And so I'm just building, building my arm up um, just to stay as healthy as possible. Make sure because I've had some uh, little ticks and, and uh, injuries in the past doing ramp ups. And um, so, yeah, so basically it's just a real long, long ramp up and all the way until probably around December. And then we get into a velo uh, stage where we're doing a bunch of pull downs and weighted ball stuff and, and stuff like that. And then we'll do um, live ABs for about a couple months. And then that's when we'll roll into the uh, high school season. So it's a long process yeah. uh, getting to those live ABs and getting to the high school season, but it's fun. It's really fun uh, training, training where I train at. Yeah. So when you are on the mound, what is that pitching repertoire that you have on a game to game uh, game to game basis? Yeah, so uh, I'll just be working the fastball slider a lot, and then I'll mix in those changeups um, to lefties most of the part most of the time when I'm trying to work away from them or something like that. Um, or if I really want to like get like inside on righties, I'll throw the changeup a little bit. But it's really just that fastball and slider working for me. I'm really comfortable with those two pitches. Um, so yeah. Then are you, then are you pretty set on the repertoire that you have right now or are you um, on adding a couple pitches or so as you move farther along yeah. into your career? Yeah, no, I definitely want to add a few pitches. I'm, uh, this year in the winter, I'm going to be, uh, definitely dialing in that change up a lot more. So I feel a lot comfortable with it just to get that third pitch. And then as I continue to do that, I'm going to try to um probably mix in like a cutter or something like that that's something that I've talked about with uh my pitching coach a lot um just that thing that's um can kind of just get that little bit of uh movement and kind of get the hitters off timing and stuff like that so okay so when you are going about adding new pitches how do you go about it because I know a lot of pitchers like to do it different ways um so I'm just curious on what your um process is of adding a new pitch yeah so I think um the first part for me is just finding a grip that feels comfortable and, and going with it. And then, uh, like I said, with the tech stuff, I'll use the slow motion capture video to kind of go in there and try to see how I'm releasing it and stuff like that. And then um, using it in live ABs a lot. Like we'll do live ABs in the facility and <clears throat> and uh, just getting comfortable with throwing it to uh, batters and whatever count. Like my, um, we have about like, three or four pitching coach where I train at and they'll say, Hey Wade, like 
um, one, one count to a righty, you got to throw a change up and stuff like that. So it'll give me situations to get comfortable with, with those different pitches and, um, stuff like that. So that's how I go about it. Just throwing it, getting comfortable with it, uh, playing, uh, especially for the change up and other pitches, throwing it in, uh, when you're playing catch, I think that's the biggest thing and throwing it in like different, um, movements and stuff like that. Um, I think that helps a lot. So that's kind of the way I go out, go about it, but yeah. Okay. So what, what would be the biggest, couple of biggest things you're wanting to work on in your game before you head to Fayetteville in the fall of 2024? Yeah. So, um, I have a lot of run on my ball. I have like 18 to 22 inches of run on my fastball and then a lot going the other way with my slider. So I want to dial in that my command a lot. Cause I think, like I said, like being, competitive I think throwing a lot of strikes and a lot of tempo um, can be a sign of competitiveness and stuff like that um, so yeah definitely command a lot I want to dial in my command for sure um, and yeah I think body language too is something I can work on um, well I, I do work a lot with my mom and stuff uh, on the mental side of the game we're always having talks and stuff and um, I'll be doing uh, meditation with my dad at night um, especially when I can't sleep, I'll, I'll be doing meditation with my dad. So I think those things help me kind of tune into a mindset. Um, so yeah, that's definitely some things I'll definitely try to be working on more. Okay. So digging into the mindset, body movement, and overall, when you're on the pitcher's mound, uh, what do you think a person, what do you think a scouting report would be on yourself? If you were a scout watching your game and having to write a report out, um, to a potential team in that 24 draft or just a scout overall in general, writing a report. Yeah, so um, from, like, talking to to other people, I mean, it, I'm always – people are always going to talk about my length and my height and stuff and how big I am. So definitely something about my height and how lengthy I am. Um, I'll, I, de I definitely think they'll um, think about the tempo side of things. I think I, I like to work pretty fast. Um, um, so, yeah, those two things for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I could say, but I would say just competitiveness, tempo, length, and yeah. Okay. So you talk about, you talk about competitive quite a bit. Um, obviously mm -hmm. when you're playing on alpha prime, that type of baseball program that is, is a legit travel ball organization where if I go through you guys' website, I mean, I, I, all I see is power five commit power five commit couple mid majors mm -hmm. there as well I mean, but that's a legit travel ball organization um who's mm -hmm. definitely very competitive anywhere they go um so how'd you get connected with alpha baseball yeah so like i said the my pitching coach and the guy that i've been with since i was eight years old so first it started with a team called uh dub dynasty when i was eight years old and <clears throat> that's just like a youth thing that's still going on today it's kind of like a youth program and stuff like that <clears throat> excuse me and um they work in with um kpi the place i train at and then uh when i got to high school or first i started uh so when, when i was in eighth grade there's this thing called the league and it's ran, run by a guy named adam farb and he uh basically gets like the top 50 players in northern california and puts them in this league and it's literally called the league and it's four different teams he has his coaches run it. And then the best players that they think from that league, they get brought over and they'll be asked to play for alpha. And so that's kind of how I was connected with it. But also the my pitching coach and the guy that manages me, he's 
uh, going to be my coach this next summer. So um, I've always been in the loop with Alpha um, and stuff like that. And that's just how I got brought into it. There's uh, many different ways you can get brought into it with tryouts or getting asked to play and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's just the way I got brought into it. So when it comes to coaches on that Alpha Prime team, um, do coaches generally stick with that same age group? Like whoever that your coach is for 14U stays with you all the way up till 17U? Or does is there a single coach at each age group? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. They'll, they'll stay with you. Obviously, like a big thing for us is like uh, a lot of people will refer to it on the team called like a brotherhood or something like that. Because usually it's just these guys or it's built off like a structure of these guys that have just been with each other since eighth grade. So we've been since each other with eighth grade and then all the way up to our senior year. So we like to build that like bondage as a team. So we'll stay with the same coach. This year will be the first year I have a different coach um, on Alpha. But usually, yeah, it's just the same same coach every year. Okay, so you obviously have a great relationship with your guy at KPI, who you said is going to be coaching you this upcoming summer. Uh, but mm-hmm. what's your relationship like with some of those other Alpha Prime coaches um, when it mm-hmm. comes to the guys who's co- coached you in the past or even some of the assistant yeah. coaches? Yeah, so somewhere in some way they've definitely uh, coached me or been around me in some type of way because – a lot of the time, some of the tournaments that we'll schedule as a team, there'll be an older age group or a younger age group for that same tournament. So we'll we'll be together and we stay in rooms together in the same hotel. So we're with each other like all the time, like every day, all the time on the road. And we'll see these younger kids in the program, the older kids in the program. We'll go out to eat and stuff like that. And that's where I'll see the coaches. So. I, I have a good relationship with any coach. Um, I think, I, you know, it's one of those things where I can just text them and, you know, they'll get back to me and stuff like that. So, like, I don't have any problem with any type of connection with any of the coaches. Okay. So, like I said, that Alpha Prime roster, if you look through it, I mean, there's Power 5 commits all the way through that roster for the classes of 23-24. I didn't see 25, but I'm sure they have other Power 5 commits as well. Um, what do you think just being an insider has led to that success of the alpha prime program? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say, um, like I said, that bondage that we have as a team, that's definitely helped us win a lot of games and a lot of kids succeed. Um, but I would just say the coaches, the coaches have been there for us, uh, 100% throughout the way they've helped us with our recruiting process, 100% throughout the way. And I would say that's just what, um, leads to our success as a team and the reason why we have so many uh, commits already in the 24 class and even the 25 class, we have a lot of commits. I think we have like around eight, eight or nine. So, yeah. So with me being a travel ball advocate or just, I guess a travel ball fan who enjoys watching the younger players who are top prospects for college and pro ball in these next couple of years, who are some other guys on your team that myself and other fans of travel ball should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so uh, definitely, uh, if you haven't heard of the name Austin Nye, a lot of people have. Um, he's a Vanderbilt commit in the 2024 class. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher, and he is, like, one of the best. He's probably the, one of the best players I've played with uh, for sure. Um, he's been on Team USA. He just won a gold medal in the MVP for the U18 team, like, a couple of days ago, I think last week. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, he's like 
like what you call a competitor. He's like the definition of a competitor. You can't like get inside his head. Um, like when he's pitching, it's Austin I and Austin I only. I've I've never really seen a bad outing from the kid. Um, I have a good connection with his parent, or at least his dad and my him, my dad and his dad talk a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, I he he's the definition of a competitor to me and someone that you know people should definitely be um, looking up to for sure. Okay, so with next year, next summer being your last summer of travel ball. Uh, can I take us through just what are your, some of your favorite memories have been so far uh, going out, hanging out with some of your alpha prime teammates, uh, just going to these different events and possibly what are you looking forward to most of your last summer? Yeah. Um, first, what am I, what am I looking for throughout this summer? It's just uh, winning games, having fun. It's the last year. You just want to really <coughs> remember it and, build memories that can last a, a long time. But definitely some of the biggest memories that stand out to me is winning that UBC tournament, or the West Coast UBC tournament, which is probably one of the biggest tournaments of the year besides WWBA. That was last year. Um, so we were playing Trotsky National, and we've been um, recognized as, like, the two top teams in the West Coast. We played each other in the championship game, and – we were just going back and forth, back and forth. And then it was the seventh inning, the top of the seventh inning, they hit a grand slam to go ahead by five. And then in the ninth or in the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh inning, we come in and uh, hit a walk-off to win the game. And after that, we were ranked like eighth in the country or something like that. So that was like one of our last tournaments of the year too. So that, that definitely was – probably the best time um of my of my life for sure that summer that was the most fun summer and um yeah that's that's definitely a memory that sticks out to me for sure all right so you mentioned there that alpha prime is um like you said one of the best ranked teams in the west coast when it comes to travel ball and like i mentioned earlier i've never had a guy from california on the podcast for the most part it has been guys in midwest east coast um, some of the guys in Kansas and stuff like Texas, um, but no, never had a Californian on. So I kind of want to dig into what travel ball is like in the West coast um, is what are some different tournaments you guys are going to? Cause obviously when I talk to the East coast guys, there's always Lake point East Cobb Hoover's huh. tournaments like that. So in the West coast, where, where are some of those big destinations to go to? Yeah. So definitely the biggest one is the U UBC. It's usually down in LA somewhere uh, two, uh, two summers ago. It was in San Diego. This year it was in uh, Irvine, California. But now, like, um, really, my group this this summer, I know for sure, is I think that's really the only, like, big uh, West Coast tournament we're going to be at. We're just going to be in the South, like, in, in Georgia and Florida and Hoover and, and all that stuff this year for sure. Um, but those are the tournaments we want to play at, especially with the group we have. We have a, a, a couple SEC commits and then – um, big power five schools. So we, I know our coaches want to get us uh, uh, kind of acclimated to the, to the people and, and players out there because that's probably like the best place to be at during the summer ball um, stretch for sure. So um, the UBC though, is probably the biggest tournament in the West coast. So where, so all the play, all the different places that you've played at so far. Um, so the UVC, I know you said you went down to Jupiter. What's been like your favorite facility that you've played at so far? Um, 
favorite facility probably honestly the uh, jupiter jupiter was probably the most like surreal experience seeing everybody there and all the kids uh and players and scouts there and and stuff like that in the facilities there definitely definitely jupiter probably that's that's probably the one that sticks out to me the most so how, how was jupiter for you like how, how well did you play how far how, how far did alpha make it into the tournament yeah, so I played uh, really well. I just went out there once. Um, I went against uh, a team called the Scorpions. Uh, Jackson Holiday's younger brother was on that team. Okay. Um, I don't really know anybody else on there, but um, that was to get us into the playoffs. That was a must-win game. So I pitched uh, pretty well that game, and then we made it to second round of playoffs, I'm pretty sure, second, third, something like that. And then we got bounced out by uh, – by some team um but yeah uh we played pretty well but yeah so with you being a po like when you're going to all these different travel ball um tournaments are you there all week or do you just fly in like the day before you pitch and then fly out afterwards yeah it depends if it's if it's in the fall um like if i have school that week uh for sure I'll try to fly in. I know in the Arizona tournament, that's what I did. I came in just for the weekend and then left. But um, in the summer, I'm there all week. If it's a week-long tournament, I like to be there with the guys, stuff like that, and uh, support when I'm not playing. So, um, yeah, it, really only the fall is when, I'm, when, I, when I'll fly in, like, to not miss school. But, yeah. Okay. So let's let's transition a little bit to high school ball, moving away from travel ball a little bit. Um. So how did how did last high? I guess you said you were hurt last uh, high school season. Uh, but yeah. what was that like freshman year playing freshman ball at Bellarmine? I, I, yeah, Bellarmine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what was that like freshman year playing there? And kind of just take us through what that high school competition level was like for you your freshman year. Because uh, California yeah. high school baseball is, in my opinion, I always say there's five in the top tier, which is Cali, um, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and Georgia. Um. So just with California being up there and really legit yeah. baseball talent all around. Uh, just kind of take us through what that competition level is like and um, what it was like your freshman year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, I, I really didn't play my freshman year either. I kind of had some setbacks with with injuries. So, I mean, I can talk about the uh, Bellarmine's program and, and the uh, now now and what it's become and then um, about the, the league we play in. So, we play in um, – WCL, and it's probably behind the Trinity League, probably the best uh, baseball uh, or just sports league uh, in California. Definitely the best in Northern California. A um, bunch of teams like Midi, uh, Midi, St. Francis, Valley Christian, who's a big, big program that plays some of those Trinity League teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the competition up there is, is, uh, Really, really good. Lots of commits, uh, lots of Power 5 commits. On my team, we have three Santa Barbara commits, a USC commit, um, and then a Pudget Sound University commit, and then myself. So we got about five or six commits on my team just alone. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the competition is is really good up there. So how does, how does high school baseball work, or I guess high school sports in general, how does that work in California? Because I know uh, they separate it somehow between North California and South Carolina. I mean, South California to North California. Um, mm -hmm. Do you be in there? Like, how do, how do they separate that? And how does, like, the state tournament work um, in California? 
Yeah. So usually, so um, it's the same as football. So it's called a CIS. So first, when you get to playoffs and you, there's a thing called CCS, if you win that, you win that. That's CCS. And then, <laughs> then you go to NorCal's. And if you win NorCal's, so last year it was St. Francis and De La Salle. Um, two really good programs. Um, De La Salle won, and then usually you you then go and play a, a team from Southern California for the state championship. Um, yeah, it's like it's like Fresno, so below Fresno and and below, so like Bakersfield and below is what they consider Southern California for for that, and then above that is all Northern California. So that's how they kind of split it off, and then you have to win NorCal to compete for state. Okay. So where you're at, you guys aren't the typical high school, correct? Cause I know it's listed as a college prep. So what is the difference between that compared to a regular high school? Like what's, what's that average day look like? What are some different things you're, uh, you're studying there? Yeah. So I go to all boys school first off. So that's might be a little bit of a difference. Um, uh, all boys school, just guys. Uh, we do have like female teachers and stuff like that, but basically it's just, it, it's just a school to, like one of the best academic schools in California uh, to get you prepared for, for, uh, for college, just basically the courses are harder. So instead of regular courses, they're called CP courses. So college prep courses. So basically you're taking like college prep class and then like the advanced class and APs and honors and stuff. Those are like, when you get to like junior and senior year, so upper class and you're taking APs and stuff, those are basically college courses that you're taking and uh teachers are like have to go through a bunch of stuff and credentials um to be able to teach at Bellarmine and stuff like that so um it's really not anything more different than a regular high school uh we got a bunch of a bunch of kids and um, all guys school so it's basically just the same thing but all guys and pretty hard uh school so okay so you did mention that Bellarmine does have quite a few college commits besides yourself uh, so what is that outlook on this upcoming spring? Like are you guys expected to uh, dominate potentially the area or what does that look like when it comes to this upcoming spring? Yeah. So in the past uh, years, we've been really bad until that 2024 class at Bellarmine has come in we kind of like, we got a new coach and then we, uh, the 24 class last year, at least like kind of helped uh, get our rebirth, our, our high school program. Um I wasn't on varsity, but then the uh, the kid that's committed to USC and then the three other Santa Barbara commits were, and they kind of the um the the our hitter that's committed to Santa Barbara outfielder Rowan Kelly he uh, just took off last year and was like second in uh like second team all California or something like that and um really helped our our team on the hitting side and then everybody else was a pitcher the. Uh, the other commits so they really helped us and then uh yeah with the, then the addition with uh me and a couple other kids that have transferred and stuff like that then we're gonna be really good and we should we should dominate a lot of the teams and we're really hoping to win that NorCal and CCS and stuff like that. So what does that competition level look like in NorCal you're kind of your region uh when you're playing other teams in your spring schedule are there a lot of other power five commits or is it like every mm -hmm. other couple games you're facing another power five yeah so our uh so our rivals that we'll, we'll be playing like three or four times a week they have two stanford commits their short subs committed to cal poly um 
they got I'm missing a couple other kids. I forget who it is, but oh, an Arizona State commit pitcher, TCU commit, and then um uh the, those that's probably like the most team we play with the most commits, and then we'll play uh Midi with a lot of uh, Archbishop Midi. They have um. I don't, they don't have a lot of power five commits, but a lot of mid-major commits, about like five or six. So, I mean, it's probably every other game we're probably facing a commit, but a D1 commit, there's a, there'll be like a bunch of D2 and D3s. But, um, yeah, I mean, the competition is like very, very good up here. Okay. So let's dig in a little bit to um, your advisor selection process, uh, winding it down to these last couple of questions I got. Like I said, I'm trying to be an agent once I graduate from college here in a couple of years. So when I get you guys on the podcast, I like to dig into how you chose your advisor, how you chose your agent once you would become drafted and become a pro player. Um, so let's just dig in. Yeah. So when was it that advisors and agencies kind of started reaching out to you? Um. Yeah, so they reached out to uh, the guy that uh, or, or my manager and pitching coach. That's who he helped me with my recruiting process too. But they reached out to him because he knows a couple of the advisors and he's gone through that stuff. And it happened about after I committed, probably like uh, two months after that. Once they saw me in Jupiter, that's when a bunch of the agencies reached out to me. Um, I think for me, because I'm trying to uh, give you insight since you want to be an agent, um for me like an agent that has watched me play um is definitely better than an agent that hasn't and is just trying to you know, like get me um to represent me and stuff like that because obviously an agent is making money off the the, the player so i mean people have come and watched me uh play and stuff and then we can talk about that stuff it's it's just basically for me an agent how i'm trying to pick mine is um it's just who I have the best relationship with. It's not so much the name. It's just who I could, you know, build a better relationship with. And then an agent really doesn't really, um, you don't really need an agent like while you're in high school, either before the draft or in your arbitration, you're in the big leagues um, and they discuss deals for you and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just someone I can re relate with and has gone through kind of the same process I have. Okay. So when you are having some of these conversations with advisors, uh, let's say one of the guys comes, watches you play, watches you pitch, um, what are some of the general conversations that you have uh, with them? Obviously talking about the game you had just played or just talking about how you've been playing in the past, but what are just what are some general topics that these agents generally bring up and kind of just like to talk about with you um, just in, in a general conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think um, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to build a relationship with you. So some of the things they'll talk about are not even about baseball at all, It'll be about family life or school or stuff like that. And they're just trying to build a connection and a relationship and stuff like that. So <clears throat> but on the baseball side of things, it's not really like the agent, like the lawyer, like agent type of guy that you talk to the most. It's the guy that's like kind of been in your situation. So a lot of the agents that I've uh, – some of the agents that I've talked to, they have, they have like uh, partners, like one that's, you know, been through the draft and the minor leagues and all that. It's been committed to, um, to schools and stuff like that. And then they'll have the lawyer kind of guy that sets the deals and knows more about like the agency stuff. And uh, I think that's the best because they kind of work together because one is a guy that's been through your, been through your experience and the stuff that you're experiencing. And then the other guys, really really smart guy that knows everything about um 
you know, the major league stuff and like the uh, contracts and, and, and money uh, kind of things like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's just kind of the, the things I've been doing since it's so been so recently, it's kind of just introducing ourselves and stuff like that. So, so yeah. So some out of some of the guys that are reaching out to you and kind of staying in consistent contact, how often are some of these agents and advisors kind of getting in contact with you just on a week to week basis? Yeah, so they um they'll just text me and say, "Hey Wade, um, like uh, give me a time that works for you, and I love to chat, just to see how things are going and stuff like that." Like that's just a normal thing that they'll do. <laughs> um, a lot of them like to meet in person, or pretty much all of them meet in person with your family and stuff like that. Um, like you'll invite them over, and then maybe you'll go to dinner or stuff like that, or uh, and stuff like that, and they'll basically just um say everything about their like what they do and what they can do for you and, and stuff like that so yeah so in some of those meetings do some of those advisors and agents do they pull out presentations that kind of have that go over different things or for the most part is it kind of informal where it's kind of just genuine conversation yeah it's kind of just genuine conversation um to be honest it's just um they'll never really pull out like a presentation or anything like that but um it's basically just a rundown and then they'll name a few um They'll name a few guys that they work with and the situations and experiences they've gone through with those guys. So, like, when I say that I've had a couple – like, I've never had surgery or anything like that, but a couple of the injuries, small little injuries that have set me back, um, um, they'll talk about, like, they'll say, like, situations they've they've been through with some of those other players and stuff like that and um, try to just make you feel, like, connected with them and, and stuff like that. So – um yeah it's it's really just like like a normal conversation okay so what one last question then we'll move on to just like some of your passions motivation stuff like that uh what okay. what is the most impressive thing that you have seen from an agent um advisor agency in general what is the most impressive thing that you have seen so far uh within this process yeah um honestly it's uh probably just like what they can do, do for you. Like, uh, I talked with a small agency that doesn't work with a lot of people. Uh, and like in the draft, like last year, they had like one guy in the first round and they worked with like, I think three guys in the draft or something like that. And, um, thing that just stood out to me is just how they could like, how they could help you and like the experiences that they go through with these players that are related to you like the the better the experience or the better the the um the situation that they're talking about like the more impressive it is like how they got through that or stuff like that and just basically like the hardships that they've gone through with their players and stuff and how they've helped them so like for example they're uh the same agency was talking about um how a guy was had had a had some uh, struggles mentally because of the way he was playing and they reached out to uh, a therapist to help him and then he suddenly got his way back in and um back in the sort of groove of things and um I thought that was awesome the way they, that they could help you and stuff like that on that side because when you're in high school uh th they can't really help you unless it's trying to get into the some some of those uh, like big events like yeah. they can kind of put your name and stuff like that so things off the field that they can help you with. I think that's awesome. And I think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me.
Okay. All right. Well, man, just got a couple more questions here for you. I do really appreciate all that insight. Like I said, like, I mean, it is pretty valuable insight I get from some of you guys when when I dig into that selection process. Uh, but no, just yeah. got a couple more questions here for you and then we'll end off the podcast. Um, So when you're not playing mm-hmm. baseball, uh, what is it? Something, just some of your passions that you have beyond the baseball field. Not off the baseball field. That yeah, the, yeah, passions beyond the field. Yeah, so um, definitely, um, you know, starting a family and stuff like that. That's big for me. That's just the way I've been raised. Uh, that's definitely one of my passions is um, you know, starting family and and kind of teaching them like my kids and stuff like that. Um. Big thing that I've been talking about with my parents is uh, the military. The military is something that I want to do just to um, do something bigger for myself. Um, and I think I can learn a lot of things in the military, like discipline and stuff like that. And this is after my baseball career. But um, that's just one thing that I've uh, been talking about recently. And, um, yeah, those are just some of my passions and stuff like that. Obviously, um on the baseball side of things, you know, going as far as I can um, with my baseball and trying to make it to the uh, big leagues and then get as far as I can there. Honestly, I'm just trying to go step to step and and t- soak everything in. Okay. So you mentioned this here a little bit, uh, but let's say everything goes right here these next 20, 25 years. Uh, what is the perfect picture of your life in 20 or 25 years um, if everything goes right in life? Yeah, um, 20, 25 years, I'll be like around 40, uh, 45, something like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, um, I mean, if the Hall of Fame is is in that picture, if everything goes right, obviously that would be an awesome achievement, like insane. Um, but honestly, I, I don't really, I can't really picture myself 20, 25 years. Like I said, I, I'm kind of just trying to soak everything in at one point. Um, not trying to rush things and stuff like that. A big thing I've learned from those injuries is time and how valuable time can be. Um, so yeah, honestly, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I I just, I just hope I have a, I can get to Arkansas, have a good career and then go from there. That's, that's my main goal right now is just working as hard as I can to get to Arkansas and succeed there. Okay. All right. So what is it that motivates you every day? So what is it that kind of just you have in your mind that when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to go, you're ready to go win the day. What are some of those motivations you got? Yeah, um, definitely just um, some of the, some of the doubts people have had um, in the past with me. But the biggest thing for motivation is just my parents, for sure. My dad, um, my dad played high, uh, college baseball and had injuries that stunted him from getting to his professional career and me and my dad are, are like this. We're super close with each other. We talk about this stuff all the time. We're always texting about it. And as big as it is a dream for me, for me to have, for it to happen, it is like my, uh, with my dad. So, um, I'll, I'll, I just want to share it with my dad. Um, he's probably my biggest motivation for sure. He pushes me every day. Um, and I can't ask for, for a better role model than my dad. So, uh, definitely my dad. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Down to the last question. Um, so with me being an aspiring agent, I'm big into name, image, and likeness. And with the new mm-hmm. regulation that the NCAA uh, passed uh, July 1st of 2021, co- collegiate athletes are now able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And actually I believe California high school athletes can as well. 
I'm not 100% sure yeah. with not being in Cali. But uh, what is one dream brand that you would love to work with uh, when you are, when you do get the chance to endorse, collaborate with a certain brand? Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a good question. Um, definitely like a big company like Rawlings or something would be like the dream for sure. When I, if I get big enough, but um, <clears throat> yeah, Rawlings for sure. But um, mm, I, that's a good question. Um, just something uh baseball related. Like, can, can it be like off the field and stuff yeah, like that? Like, of course. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure. Probably Rawlings for sure. Rawlings would be awesome. That would probably be the dream um, is to be uh, work with, with uh, Rawlings and stuff like that. But that's just what I can think off the top of my head. Okay, man. All right. Well, I appreciate everything you got today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, thankful that you did reach out through Twitter. Um, obviously, every time I get an Arkansas guy on the podcast, I mean, I'm pumped. As you look through yeah. my Instagram or Twitter, I mean, I feel like I have like 12 guys who are going to Arkansas. So I'm yeah. sure a lot of those guys will be listening in today or I guess mm -hmm. when it drops when it drops next week. Um, they'll be yeah. listening and kind of get to know you a little bit more. I'm sure you can use the podcast as a way to get to know some of your future teammates better as well. I'm just thankful for you yeah. being on the podcast. Thankful for all you guys. Um, and just want to wish you the best of luck as you go through your junior, senior year. Um, head to Fayetteville, hopefully go play pro ball as well. Um, so just best of luck with the rest of your career, and just thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, and good luck with your uh, agency stuff too.